he just cut way too far and way too deep and just bled everywhere. The stage was covered in blood. And yeah, I remember Jesus Christ. The bartender came out afterwards with like just an old, just like shitty mop bucket, like <laughs> and, and mopped it up and was like, okay, you guys are good to go. And it's just like, Welcome to the 131st episode of the Cast That Ends Creation. I'm your host, Chris Deering. This is a show where I interview bands and public figures from the Mathcore and Mathcore adjacent communities. Uh, my guest today dropped their new album, Comedian, back on the 18th through Prosthetic Records. Welcome in Without Waves. How's it going, guys? How's it going? Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Uh, why don't you tell us who you are, what you do in the band? I'm Anthony. I'm a vocalist, guitar player. I'm Zach. Uh, I just play guitar. all righty all righty straightforward um so it looks like your facebook started in 2010 so you guys have been together for 12 years that's insane same lineup the whole time or it is yeah Yeah, it's crazy holy crap three of us three of us have been playing together uh um we had like a thrash metal band years ago that we started in high school uh back in 2002 um and then, uh, but then without waves since, since 2010, but yeah, we collectively, I mean, we've been, we've been playing together a long time. So Dang, yeah. it's in, go from thrash metal to this, I guess there's some similarities, but, uh, this, this is pretty wildly different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's kind of why we, we had kind of cut our teeth, um, kind of in, in metal in general, when we were kind of like in high school and, and throughout some of the college years and stuff like that. But then we started noticing i think some of the music we wanted to write was changing outside of that that realm and without waves was actually yeah we just we started that with the intention of being able to kind of just do whatever we want so so you mentioned the band started with like a core of three people were y'all like uh high school friends or something or how how did y'all get together well the two of us went to high school together okay and uh actually i started playing guitar because of anthony (laughs) yeah and he initially started jamming with our drummer, Gary. And so they kind of had a thing and eventually I joined that. And then in college we met our bass player. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. You all kind of fell into place and you didn't have to like try hard to get, get the group together then. No. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. At the end of the day, it, it is almost still like we're just four guys in high school, like <laughs> just getting together to hang out and escape reality. Yeah. And I'm, Great. Also, very uh, very similar intelligence levels as well. You know, we haven't haven't changed at all. So yeah. the level of humor, yeah, uh, yeah. The Slayer, God hates us all references. It's all straight back to nineteen <laughs> seventeen. So, uh, why did you pick the name without waves? Were you just looking for something with alliteration, or is there like an actual meaning behind? It? How did we get there, Zach? I don't remember. So technically you came up with the name. Okay. Um, and I believe it was a translation from the word Avicii. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah, then mm-hmm. we kind of found our own meaning to it because without waves, like I like to think of it as kind of like an analog or a way of kind of saying like silence or nothingness. Okay. You said it's a translation from a word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, good. I, think from, I think from just the uh, seven layers of hell, like uh, Avicii, um, 
there was some sort of, uh, I think I stumbled upon it somewhere, some sort of Sanskrit, Sanskrit translation of, of it meaning without waves. Um, but like Zach said, I like I the think, idea like, that you just going through like books, trying to translate things and you're just like, Oh shit. There. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, we were, we, I think we were at the time, uh, we were throwing a lot of things and kind of sticking, sticking them on the wall and, and just to kind of see what, what sticks. But like, um, you, the four of us generally, like, I don't think there's ever like a, a full consensus right away on things. You know, we do kind of tend to take our time kind of talking things out, feeling things out. And um, this was one instance where we did that. But this one just, like Zach said, I, I think just kind of fit um, the overall um, vibe, I guess we were going for. We, we all just vibe with it. So, Yeah, that one felt right. Everything else we came up with is just terrible. <laughs> yeah, goat goat fucker didn't. I, I I was really pushing for that, but we hey, couldn't do that. That's a great name. That's a great one, right there, man. <laughs> Put that in your pocket for the thrash metal band, all right? <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. So you've dropped two albums and an EP up to this point, and uh, now you're back with your third album, Comedian. Um, what's so funny? <laughs> Everything, life, humans. <laughs> well, I go, so why why are we naming a com- uh, comedian then? Um, comedian's tough. Why did we land at comedian? I guess to a certain extent, like what makes something funny, often what makes something funny is being able to look at a subject two different ways simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Like a, a lot of comedy is just, you know, the comedian pointing out the obvious. You just never really looked at it or thought about it that way. And that's when they connect. That's when like that spark happens. And uh, I kind of feel like the record has the same job and I feel music is really similar. Like when you hear a new song that you identify with for some reason, like that same spark, like I think it's, I think it's similar to finding something funny. And hmm. so with, yeah. Okay. Okay. I was like, because I was reading the lyrics, I was like, "Oh, the lyrics are probably going to be funny or something," and they're not. So, like, I, I'm just trying to understand from a lyrical perspective why why the name is comedian. Yeah, so like that, like talking about humor. Um, there's a lot. A lot of the lyrics have to do with perspective and duality. So, I think humor is an interesting way of looking at something from different angles, and then also just kind of relishing a little bit at least for me personally personally and the absurdity of life like okay so it's kind of like a a nihilistic kind of approach or whatever like uh everything like sucks so like it's funny i guess i I don't know i'm I'm trying trying to understand this yeah i think it's a little bit more positive like not that everything sucks but more just in the grand scheme of time everything is kind of pointless but in that sense, I think it's really special that, you know, I get to even say or think about that at all. Hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah. Like uh, there's the author uh, Kefka and he had this idea that Sisyphus, if you remember Sisyphus from Greek mythology, the guy pushing the boulder up the hill. And as soon as he gets towards the top, it always rolls back down. That's such a great analogy for life, but you know, you (laughs) could look at that as like this terrible punishment. Or you can look at it as like, he's got it all figured out. Like the way he spends his day is no different than how I spend my day. But, you know. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Uh, it's a little deeper than I imagined the, the explanation would be, but uh, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is your second release on Prosthetic Records. How did you guys hook up with them? Um, we hooked up with them. Uh, we met uh, Steve Joe, uh, who works for Prosthetic, and he had been with uh, Century Media for a really long time. And he'd been with Prosthetic, I think, for several years. Um, but I think we had started speaking to them in um, 2016, maybe. Um, and uh, Steve lives in uh, Iowa. And so he was, uh, I think, kind of scouting uh, different different bands, specifically Chicago, but kind of the, you know, the Midwest area and whatnot. So we were able to speak to him through, you know, mutual friend. And um, yeah, we, we signed officially with them. I think, yeah, we signed in 20, it was either early 2017 or no, no, we signed in 2016 and then Lunar, our first record with them came out in March of 2017. So. Um, and so that was five years ago. Uh, why was there this huge break? <laughs> well, um, part of it was the pandemic. Um, you know, we were just kind of like getting into mixing mode right as the pandemic hit. Um, so we had, we were originally intending for the record to come out in um, like late 2020 uh, or hoping for that, pushing for that. Um, and then that happened. And I think we all kind of, looked at what that was and i mean we had friends and bands who were you know had just released albums and and having to cancel tours and things like that so we kind of figured okay um we'll take this time to um you know refine maybe some of the aspects of the record that we still want to do uh we'll see how this rolls out and um now the record came out in march of 2022 you know so like a year uh, and a half later, that sucks, man. <laughs> I'm having to wait on it that yeah. long. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I, I, part of it, I was really happy. Like, we just played our release show, you know, last weekend. Um, and I was really happy that we got to do that, you know. Um, you know, because, like, we had put a lot of, you know, time and energy into the record. And you always want to be able to celebrate that with, with people. Um, so I was happy it worked out that way. But, yeah, in an ideal world, that the pandemic wouldn't have happened and it would have been out a lot sooner. So, right. That's crazy. Yeah, no. So did y'all uh, write any like new songs and stuff in that time frame, or was it just more refining things and, and sitting on it? I mean, we'd already recorded um, all the record, uh, you know, at that point. So the writing I think really took place uh, within, you know, between roughly, you know, 2017 and, you know, 2019, there were probably some remnants of certain songs like riffs and things like that had, that had been maybe hanging around before that we've kind of kept in the, uh, in our minds, you know, here and there. But um, I would say the hardcore amounts of writing with all of us in the room, you know, kind of took place after Lunar um, and then before, you know, getting into the studio and recording. So. Okay. So you really were yeah. just like sitting on your hands for a year and a half and that sucks. <laughs> kind of yeah i mean because we weren't we weren't for a while we weren't getting together and rehearsing with everything going on and then we started rehearsals up again and um we had uh we started working on some new stuff even past the 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 the, the, the new record that we released but it was really sort of just the introductory sort of you know it, we the four of us actually still get rehearsed multiple times a week you know even after all these years and so um a lot of times we were just getting together just at you know 
stay fresh uh, and also have something to do and just kind of uh, continuing to, you know, work on things. So, mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Uh, so what would you say is different in your music this time around? Hmm. Ooh. I think it's better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think this record is a lot better than the last one. Uh, why? It's probably hard to personally quantify um, I think to a certain extent, like we've talked about just all the years that we've been playing together. Um, I feel like we do continue to kind of grow and evolve and we're very comfortable with each other when it comes to songwriting. Like, you know, there are songs where one of the two of us will write almost all of it and approach it and, you know, approach the band with it. And then there are other songs where it's a pretty communal effort, man, that could even come out of just, kind of jamming around in our practice space. So I, I really think you know, it's hard to quantify anything specifically, at least for me, but I think just growing together as four individuals and then also as a whole. Yeah, I tried to uh, find like, I like to find an answer for this question myself and present it to, to you guys, but uh, it, it seems like it's pretty, not, not the same like album or whatever, but y'all have as much experimentation on this one as you did the last one like you're constantly like changing things up your sound includes like all the different metal genres like there's not much more like you know experimentation you can do than what you're already doing so like, i feel like y'all are just getting better and better at your craft thank you thank you i think i think we wrote um a better batch of songs all around and also i think just the um i love lunar and what we did on that but a lot of those songs were written over like a five or six year period where yeah. this i think was really written more so over a two to three year period so i think just our um input uh just in our own personal lives and you know some of the things that ended up in the lyrics which also kind of you know blended into some of the ways we were approaching the music and everything feels a little bit more cohesive this time around i mean also the way that we recorded it too um we worked with um, Rollin Weary. Uh, he recorded, engineered, and ended up mixing the record too. Um, and we worked with him very, very closely on um, things that uh, we really wanted to kind of pay attention to this time around. Um, consistency uh, from a tonal you know, po point of view, using uh, specific guitars, even in, in certain sections, you know, going with whatever sounds best vocally. Um, you know, had had like a, a big breakthrough uh, with him as as how we approached that this this record, um, all of which happened very very organically. You know, so I think that that whole process was um, more fruitful because of that, and I think we got a better sounding sounding record all around because of it. So funny that you think that like uh, these songs are better and they've been sh written over a shorter period of time than the one it's been like for a long time so like uh why do you think that is you think you're just like not nitpicking it as much i guess no, I think we just this got nitpicked to death yeah like we were hyper specific about everything on this record kind of like man look at that answer i gave for like just why we call the record comedian so just <laughs> okay, yeah. every aspect of the process um but we've definitely We've made a couple records now. We've written a couple songs now, and uh, I, I just think we've gotten better at it. And uh, so it's more that you got the process down, so you could do it quicker. Not that like uh, it, it's better because you did it in a shorter period of time or whatever. 
Yeah, I think we know each other better. You know, we've been through this a couple times. And when when we are writing, I think it's while we still are very nitpicky. And um, I, I, I just think we all kind of like, we all kind of understand each other a little bit more than we did years ago, which makes sense if you've been yeah. playing together that long. You know, things just kind of, you know, evolve in that way. Okay. Um. So what genre you guys consider yourselves? Ah, that's tough. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's really tough because to a certain extent, we almost, like, I mean, I feel like we fall into progressive just due to a lack of a better option, but even that has become its own living definition that I don't know if we really fit inside of. Like, we're not gent and we're not strictly math core, but there's like one guitar solo on the record. I don't, I don't know. Like, does, does that apply? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've just been. Oh, no, go on ahead. I've, I was just going to say, I've just been telling people we sound like Mumford and Sons, you know, and just kind of going. <laughs> Dude, that's pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, I guess I'd, I'd say pro- progressive metal as well. Uh, but like, yeah, like you said, it, it's uh, it's way more than that because you, you incorporate like black metal in some parts and like, yeah, you're kind of all over the map. Um, you kind of remind me, actually, I think it's mainly, like, the chorus sections or the cleaner, like, singing sections, but you, kind of, you guys kind of remind me of Spock's beard and, like, that whole, like, 90s revival of progressive rock. Um, oh, I, I guess it's, like, because your sound is, like, sort of cold and clean, but still organic feeling. Uh, it, it's hard to describe, but, like, definitely the clean singing parts is like, oh, that's Spock's beard. Um, is, is that a big influence on you guys? Am I way off base or uh, what's up? No, I think uh, um, I think that's a pretty accurate. Like I, I, we're all in our you know mid to late thirties, so you know c- from a foundational point of view, there there's probably certainly been some. Uh, uh, I, I mean, just from my own personal music experience and and all the bands that sort of you know that I got into when I was when I was younger in my formative years. I mean that that does have you know an effect on you for sure. Um, I don't know, Zach. You were going to add something. Um, I guess I was going to say like, you know, this cliche answer, like I've heard of that band, but I've never listened to them. Uh, <laughs> I think where a lot of these, uh, converging genres also stem from is the fact that the four of us, you know, our, our tastes do overlap, but they differ quite a bit too. So, you know, you might have a section where, you know, let's say if I'm the most prog rock out of all of us, if I walk in with something that's you know kind of cliche in that realm but then maybe anthony will stem on some influences that i would never listen to like a 90s r&b or something and come up with a nice vocal hook over that like so yeah yeah i want to hear more r&b in your sound okay that's that's the challenge for the next (laughs) (laughs) so uh you, you were just talking about a little bit but how does the writing process work with you guys is like one person mainly directing it and y'all are kind of adding your own spin or uh, is it kind of everybody brings? It generally starts with either Zach or I, um, you know, we'll, we'll bring something to the table. That's probably anywhere from between 40 to 90% written. Some things like there's a very clear um, organization already kind of present. And then we get it into the room and it morphs and it changes and becomes something else. Um, other times we kind of hammer it out 
with each other uh, and spend a little bit more time chiseling um, and uh, kind of feeding, feeding off one another. But yeah, generally it'll start with either Zach or I, you know, uh, you know, depending on uh, who's feeling it, you know? So. Okay. Yeah. It's funny too. Cause we do like, even if I walk in with something like 90% written, like if anyone else does something cool, that might song just took a left turn. It's never the same again. And yeah. <laughs> And that's for the best. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we definitely take a couple different approaches. Like, you know, there are times when just the two of us will work on things that we have together or just one of us alone, like with Gary, our drummer. Uh, yeah, it's, there's a couple different approaches. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a double LP. Did y'all set out to write something this big? <laughs> no. no, not, not intentionally. No. Well, so did y'all ever consider cutting it down so it would fit on one 12 inch? It just, it fit perfectly. I think like all the songs uh, to, to, we had talked about that when we realized, you know, it being, you know, cause it's, it's a 55 minute record, but like, you know, we don't have any like super long songs. A lot of them fall within like the, you know, five to six minute range maybe. So, um, that being said, like, yeah, I think we were more so focused on like, this feels like this feels complete. Um, And if we did have a discussion about that, I think we quickly were like, ah, no, we should, we should, we should just stick to this. You know, I don't remember. Yeah. I remember a little bit. So the last song, the last song that was written for the record was sleep deep, Mm -hmm. which Anthony kind of came in with, uh, kind of last minute. I mean, it's not like we had like tracking dates booked and there was a deadline. Last minute for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, It was last minute. But Mm -hmm. uh, I remember once, once he came in with that, it, yeah, it did feel complete. Like I remember we had a kind of a conversation of like, we got to cap it here. Like this, this collection of songs feels, feels like an actual, it doesn't feel just like 10 random songs or whatever. Like this feels complete for some reason. So we kind of captured that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we already talked about the lyrics a little bit. I just had one question here. And uh, algorithm, do you have? Do y'all list like these numbers? They're not listed in the actual lyrics, but it's eight one six two eight nine fourteen forty one. What does that mean? I looked it up on the internet, couldn't find anything. So uh, yeah, just just wondering. That's good. I think. Um the meaning behind that. So uh, what that essentially is, it is kind of like a, a random grouping of numbers. Um, uh, when we were writing that song, I remember that sort of harmony or mel- melody kind of popping into my head. And I remember going somewhere quiet with my phone and recording, you know, the eight, one, six, two, eight, nine, fourteen, forty one, And I had that and I was like, that's, Oh, that works for that part. Um, didn't quite know what it was at, at, at that point. And then as the song took shape and the meaning um, uh, took shape, um, there's a line in the spoken word section, um, art is anything you can get away with. And that's the line that was attributed to, a lot of people attribute that to Warhol, uh, Andy Warhol, but um, it was actually uh, a quote from uh, 20th century sort of uh, sort of the father of communi- communication and marketing. His name's Marshall McLuhan. Um, he, I studied him in, in college and he, he essentially 
predicted the internet like in the 1950s and all kinds of stuff. He was a weird guy. A lot of his stuff is like very, very dense and hard, hard to read and not enjoyable to read. But I thought that was kind of um, uh, a very interesting take on that because art is anything you can get away with. Art can be, you know, this grouping of numbers that fits within this part of the song that ultimately takes shape and will mean something, not just to me, but to, you know, someone someone listening to it like you, you you looked up the numbers online you know that it, it's it's engaging right you know um and i i don't know i i like i like how that is uh interconnected in that way so, so they're random mm-hmm. yeah i think it, it, it's either something that like so i work in um i work in r- real estate and leasing so it, it like it's i may have like maybe dialed that number at some point or got a call with that number at some point, or maybe had something that had to do with that. But um, the reality is, is, is just it, that, I don't know. It just, it just fit, you know? Um, and so we just went with it. So. <laughs> That's so weird. Okay. So like, yeah. were you trying to like figure out numbers then to put in the song or like, it just purely came from nowhere where you're like, oh, I need to have like a string of numbers. So like, let me, let me work on getting the string of numbers together that work. You know, like there are times, like, I think I, I, I'm thinking back to when we were first writing, you know, some of the lyrics for that. And uh, I tend, I spend a lot of time like in my uh, car or in my office, like alone. And um, I, I sometimes latch on to things like that in a very, very like hyper-focused way. Um, so it's, it, it's possible that I, I, I feel like that number came from somewhere. Um, it might've been just the area code or something like that, but actually like finding a set of numbers that actually kind of sounded fun or coming off the, the tongue or like catchy like that. Right. Um, you know, sometimes I just sit around and play with words and sometimes I sit around and sing stuff that doesn't make sense. And, and eventually it does, you know, I don't know. So, yeah. All righty. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'm a, I'm a fucking weirdo. It's basically what it comes down to. <laughs> Uh, well, it's cool that you have this little thing that uh, it doesn't really mean anything, but people could like re- really read into it. Uh, you should you should come up with some with some like story about about that. That's you know. There should be some fake story. <laughs> number to like um you know like a uh, some mob guy in New Jersey and <laughs> right right it's like a safe it. combination or something. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Um, so you said uh, y'all recorded this with Roland Weary. Weary was his name, right? Roland Weary. Roland Weary, yes. Roland mm-hmm. Weary, okay. Um, so is he like the kind of guy that like, pushed you guys to uh, to do more on the record? Or uh, see more of those more like hands-off guys? Um, well, everything was written by the time we got to him. So from like a compositional standpoint, uh, that was all us. But in regards to trying to realize the songs and how we wanted them to sound. Uh, he really pushed us. And then he also, he's just so incredibly talented that he, you know, pushed us out of our comfort zone. Even Like there were times on the record where he would turn off the click track. You'd be like, hear that? Here are the drums are speeding up a little at the end of that phrase. You play to him. 
you're not playing with a click. It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> no, that's awesome, though. You need, like, one of those people to uh, make sure that you're doing your best. And oh, yeah. We, I mean, we would shoot out everything, just like, oh, here's, you know, three to four different octave pedals. Like, which one sounds the best? What's actually going to function the best? And he, he was just so talented. And he also came to the studio with just this arsenal of incredible gear. Uh, he kind of introduced us to aluminum neck guitars, which we used a lot on the really? record. Huh. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of an aluminum uh, guitar. That's uh, interesting. They're fun, man. They're <laughs> super cool. Back, you're building one right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've got the pieces on my dining room table over there. <laughs> so what's mm -hmm. the difference? I guess it would be like more attack and stuff like that, or like it sounds more like tinny, I guess? I, I think it. they do have a slightly more square sound if that makes sense mm. uh they're definitely bright and yeah kind of like the difference between ebony and rosewood like it is a very rigid fingerboard so interesting yeah, huh. so you like it better than like a regular like wood guitar then yes and no i kind of like it depending on what i'm doing like if i was to try and do something really shreddy i would still want a wooden fretboard um but there's oh, and also they can be a little a little clanky sounding, if that makes sense. Okay. There's like a really nice like, tactile aspect to aluminum guitars. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah, that definitely lent itself to the record though, because it's a very bright sounding record overall. One, uh, I was reading one review that described it as crunchy and punchy, and I thought that was a pretty good description of the overall sound. Crunchy and punchy, I like that. I do too, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's right in that aluminum guitar wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, so then you guys got it mastered by Brad Boatwright at Audio Siege because everybody gets it mastered by Brad Boatwright at Audio Siege. I mean, the man does good work, uh, but like, it just seems like everybody go goes to them. Uh, yeah, I guess you just chose him because of his legacy or whatever, right? He's He was great, man. Like, And, and he worked with us. Like, um, We we spent a lot of time kind of crafting um, a lot of the sounds and um, he did exactly what, what we needed to do. I mean, he, he kept the, I think the essence of the, the mix intact. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a loud record too, which is, which is great. So I, I think he, I just did a great job sonically. So. Oh yeah. Both him and uh, Roland did really well. Oh, what's up? Oh, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, it is loud, but he, he did a good job of uh, retaining the dynamics because we really yeah. tried to take in a lot of that. And uh, yeah. it'd be easy to kind of smooth that out. So I, I think we landed at a very, very happy spot. So. Right. It's mm -hmm. not like overly <clears throat> processed sounding or anything like that. Uh, it, it does sound um, uh, uh, organic at the time as uh, being like loud and stuff. So... Let's talk about the elephant in the room here. What's going on with this album cover? We got it up on stream now. Uh, a flamingo killing a flamingo? What, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, lo I love that image. So that is actually a scene. Basically, those birds, the two adults, are trying to feed the baby. So what you're seeing there, what looks like blood, is actually known as crop milk. So that's their regurgitation. It just comes out that color. Okay. <laughs> but that's why we chose that image is that, you know, 
like, like I said earlier, like perspective and duality are really important for this record, as is intent. So something that looks to be an act of violence is actually an act of nourishment. Huh. It one thousand percent looks like he stuck his bill in, into the other one's head. Like a thousand percent, it looks like that's why. That's crazy. Oh, I, I love like I love like everyone has been commenting on the cover, um, you know, in in different ways. But like I think what Zach was saying, I I think it's great. Just you have this cover that looks grisly and off-putting. Uh, when in reality they are just nourishing the little chickling. But then I also love the fact that it looks grisly, grisly and ugly and weird, but then the colors are also super vibrant, you know, like the pinks. And the, um, yeah. Everything about that. When we were finding the, the, or trying to figure out the cover, Zach found uh, the, the image actually. And I remember seeing it and was just like, that that's it. Like, that's that is absolutely what this cover needs to be. And then Zach was super scared that there was going to be someone else that comes out with an album with that cover in between now and uh, now and uh, when we first got it. Thankfully, that didn't happen. So I was still worried someone was going to beat us to market with it. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how you could use like a flamingo as your like mascot or whatever because of this. That's really cool. But like, how did you come across this image? Was it like random or were you looking for something along these lines? I'm not even sure how you would search for this on Google. Right. Um, I had actually had a couple people share it with me over time because it went viral a little bit like a year or two ago or hmm. shit, probably three years ago now or four. Who even knows? Um, yeah. I guess I have a couple of friends who are bird fans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it just okay. made it across the radar more than once. So then I brought it to the guys and we took it from there. Yeah. Alrighty, pretty straightforward. Huh. And actually, did, yeah, did you never like? Did you ever think like we can't just put like a picture of animals on here? Or were you like immediately like, yeah, that's it? There I felt that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there, I mean, we all talked about it as a band. I mean, I, I loved the image when Zach first found it, but like, you know, collectively, like we all we all discussed these things and kind of talked about things. But Zach, you made a good point um, recently um, as far as finding the image as opposed to going to an artist. Like if we went to an artist and was like, hey, can you make a cover that looks like one thing but is actually a different thing? <laughs> we would just be such a tall ridiculous order like <laughs> yeah so, yeah the fact that yeah oh this is it like yeah no this checks every box let's let's mm -hmm. do it feels right yeah did you have to convince prosthetic or were they on board from the beginning they were oh, they cool were oh nice okay yeah all righty um but besides this you also did a uh video for good grief talking um, mm -hmm. Oh, that's really all righty uh so what was the uh, idea behind like i see y'all playing basketball and stuff but whose idea was this uh we originally came up with that um after i mean tossing around a, a number of you know different ideas and some of some of the ideas stemmed from i think the actual meaning uh, of some of the lyrics or like what we're actually singing about but then I think at one point it was, I think I brought up like, what if we just do something fun? Like, what if we just like, we're, we're all 
I mean, Gary, our drummer and I, and, and John, you know, we're all into basketball and then Zach by default. Um, so I think we were all kind of, why don't we just play, like film a basketball game or something? And then that slowly turned into, um, you know, the storyline of uh, evil us versus good us, uh, which we credit to um, our videographer, Dustin Smith, because um, we had sent him over a treatment um, and we went back and forth, met with him and just like, the I, I it just came out so perfectly having uh, us battle each other, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it was fun. One thing I will say, no one's caught this yet. Um, if you look closely in the video, look at the numbers on each jersey. It'll be an eight, one, six, two, eight, nine, fourteen, and forty-one, which what? is a <laughs> subtle, which is a subtle callback to, to the algorithm, actually. So I again, artist. Got away with, you know. Okay. Oh, now I'm seeing it. Now that I that you mentioned it. Um. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to like figure out what it was exactly in here, but uh, you you opened up like a box or whatever. Were they magic sweatbands or what is it that uh that you get that lets you like beat the bad guys, the bad version? Yeah, yeah. Because they they were kick they were kicking our ass and um essentially the. Uh, uh, janitor, um, who's who's played by our, our manager Rodney, um, <laughs> he, he came up with some magical pink sweatpants, you know, um, go along and uh, and give us the uh, the strength and the resolve to, uh, you know, because I think the original like impetus of that was, it was sort of um, Space Jam esque, you know, like Michael and like the Secret Sauce and stuff like that, like. Okay. The Jordan stuff, but I, I, that, a lot of the video too is kind of like. I mean, we're from Chicago, you know, so I think originally when we were coming up with the video idea too, we were, I was thinking about like, you know, the Bulls back in like the late '80s, early '90s when they would battle uh, the Pistons, Detroit, who at the time was like the dirtiest team in basketball, and they'd won like two championships, and they were just rough and just like beat the shit out of the Bulls, and then Bulls eventually came, of course. Stuff like that, but, um, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Now, from what I'm told, there are several basketball homages in that video. Yeah. So you're not a big basketball guy, then. Uh, I have nothing against it, but never. That was my first dunk. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. No, I'm with you, man. man. I'm not a big fan of like sports in general either. So uh, a lot of it's mm -hmm. probably going over my head. It's probably like, a, a lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a cool, fun video. I enjoy it. <laughs> uh, did y'all get it all shot in one day then? Whew. Those were two very, very long days. Two days. Yeah, and actually uh, talking to our videographer and some of his peers, uh, they were kind of surprised, like, mm, this should have been a three-day shoot. Like, really? Yeah. Okay, it doesn't seem do that, it. like, complex. We had well, to do it. Or go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So also keep in mind, too, that, like, you know, with us having to do dual roles, that complicated everything. Yeah. yeah. And having the performance video in the same location uh, that, you know, the actual game took place at. Mm. Okay. It was yeah. kind of like to the wire, too, because we only had two days to film it. It was a couple days before Christmas this past year. And uh, it took forever forever to find a gym um, oh really 
Okay. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh, that was like the most stressful part of it. Was like. That seems scouting. like it'd be the easiest thing. You, one would think it would be, but most gyms want you to rent by the hour. Yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah. So that's really expensive. Because, man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that would be possible. So. <laughs> So uh, uh, you guys also sell these jerseys now on your uh, on your Bandcamp, which I think is is amazing. Yeah, here's an example, right? So this is my jersey from the video. This is my uh, good without wage jersey. Um, we we sell these both in uh, they have double zeros on them now, but um, yeah, man, like super fun. It's a nice little fun merch option for people. Um, yeah, I dig it. I dig it. No, it's really cool that you like took a video concept like all the way to like the merch. Uh, it's it's really interesting. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, why not switch it up a little bit? Like, <laughs> I think it's the first basketball jersey I've ever owned. Yeah. <laughs> really? Wow. That's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, Are you gonna start playing? No. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> I peaked. That's. <laughs> Okay. Go on top. Yeah, you got to go out on top, dude, for sure. So uh, we got a random question here. We ask everybody, what do you put on your hot dogs? On our hot dogs? Uh-huh. That's a, that's a very legitimate question with us being from Chicago. Um, I'm, Zach, go ahead. You go first. I mean, I had a Chicago dog for lunch today. Uh, <laughs> well, is that, is that like your favorite kind of hot dog then, the Chicago dog? It is, but I've never really. Did I have one in Montreal? Maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna say that's my favorite. favorite. And like, just can you one. refresh me on what, what Chicago Dog is, real quick? I think I know, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. So what is it? We got mustard, onion, relish, or pickle, uh, tomato, celery salt. Celery salt is very important. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then usually the pepper um, too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I never yeah. heard the celery salt part before. That, that, that sounds interesting. I'm into it. The things thing with Chicagoans is like if you there's this thing if you put ketchup on a hot dog here, it gets very very frowned upon. Yeah, yeah. Um, you should go to jail for that. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, to, to me, ketchup is like way too sweet. Uh, I'm, I'm a uh, mustard and uh, relish and onion guy myself. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm here. I, I despise ketchup in all its forms. <laughs> there we go. Good man. Good man. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, not all the Chicago food things are as canon as that. Like the whole deep dish thing is wildly blown out of proportion. Chicagoans are not into that like people think we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't turn it down, though. Like, it sounds pretty good. Deep dish pizza. Oh, no. Yeah. It's a special occasion pizza, is what it is. It's a it's a first communion. It's the graduation. It's a it's that type of pizza. That's that that's when you do deep dish. So or when, when you when you, you treat know. yourself, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> nice yeah. little. You don't treat. need deep, deep, deep dish yeah. every week. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, you were telling me that you got some playthrough videos coming up on a in your YouTube channel. Is it going to yeah, be on your YouTube yeah. channel, the prosthetic one? Um, we'll see if it ends up. Yeah, we got to talk to them about that, where it might might end up. But um, either way, we did. We filmed a couple of playthrough videos uh, for a couple of the songs, guitar-wise. And then 
our drummer Gary is going to be filming a couple uh, drum wise. John, our bass player, will probably do one too. Um, you know, so that'll be fun to get get those out there. Um, Zach and I, yeah, we we film those. We film those, I think, in the summer, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, late summer maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Geez, so y'all been holding on to those for a while too, then. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, you were telling me you don't have a tour yet, but you got a couple shows coming up. Yes, we're playing um, in Chicago. We're playing uh, a Save the Rock and Roll Festival. It's actually a benefit for uh, a number of like um, uh, staple kind of like metal punk bars in Chicago. Um, we're playing with Yakuza um, on Sunday, uh, uh, May 1st uh, at rock club and then the benefit is for reggie's rock club uh cobra lounge liars club and uh live wire all four of which are um really a, a big part of the uh local you know chicago scene here as far as um you know they, they've been around forever um and, and certainly we played we played at every one of those many many times so that's okay. awesome what's yeah. that uh mm-hmm. when bands do things like that um, but speaking about shows, what's the best show you guys have played in your huge 10 year long uh, or 12 year long uh, career? One of the highlights or, 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 or yeah, one of the highlights for me, we did, um, we played, uh, right before the pandemic, we did the uh, 70,000 tons of metal. Oh, uh, the cruise. That's so sick. Cruise. Yeah, we did that. And that was so fun. Cause that was such a unique experience. It was like a European festival on a boat. And, um, just like, um, I, I just had so much fun. Um, we played twice. Our time slots were actually really good. We didn't have to play at like 4am, which is crazy. Cause like those, it's like so weird because you're in this like paradise and the weather is gorgeous, but you're essentially at shows from like 10am to 4am, like every single day, other than the day that you dock and you get off and, you know, do whatever. But like, um, yeah, it was such an incredible experience. We played a we played a set right after everyone got back on the boat as we were heading back to Fort Lauderdale because we I don't know where did we go? We went somewhere in Mexico, right? I forget the eh? Cozumel. Cozumel. Okay, yeah. Um, but that was really fun because because the atmosphere was so great. We got to see so many cool bands. Like um, we played our our last set, and then we all just hopped in our the swim trunks and went up to the top stage and we're sitting in a hot tub right next to at the gates playing uh yeah. to just a bunch of people just That's like like it was so cool yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then that, yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah it was just crazy yeah watching being 10 feet away from at the gates like all these lights are going off and i'm in a hot tub with these two dudes from finland <laughs> just like screaming skull because they, they got me drunk so <laughs> it's, it's a really cool vibe. Like, That's honestly, insane. I would probably recommend that cruise to people, especially uh, if you're from the States, because the majority of the attendees are not from the U.S. Mm-hmm. And the vibe was just kind of different, but it was just super, super positive. Mm-hmm. And it was fun kind of watching all these different pieces of what is, you know, the metal community as a whole just converging and it was just, yeah, really positive. Yeah, it seems like it'd be like a party, like twenty four seven. It was. It, it really, it was, yeah, it very much was. But even then, like I remember at one point, I got on a an elevator in the ship, and just like this, like 
big buff bald European dude walks on and all he's wearing is a speedo that the straps like went up to here. <laughs> okay. like, hey, nice costume. He just went, it's not a costume. <laughs> it's a way of life. <laughs> yeah, just, that was it. That was the end of that exchange. Yeah. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> well, it's hard to beat 70 tons of metal. Uh, what's your worst show that you guys have played? Man, I can think of one. Do you have one? Uh, actually, I was going to say, at least for me personally, the second set at 70,000 tons was tough. That oh, was yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what happened? Well, I stayed up a little late. Could have stayed up later. would be fine under normal circumstances. But woke up feeling a little bit seasick. Uh-oh. And then... Right before our set started, we hit a storm. So, like, I've all four of us, we all got like that close to falling over while playing because the ship was yeah. moving much. Like, I've never had it before where I go to like, you know, change a channel or, uh, or like, you know, click a pedal on and like actually lunge forward and miss because the floor under you just moved. So, that was just wild. Did they have you playing outside during that or were you inside? Uh, we were inside for that, okay. but still the, the whole ship was, was really yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, but Anthony? Was, What's the worst really positive experience? But just yeah, that was hard to overcome. But what what, what do you got? What do you got? Cole? That was I'm remembering back. This was a ways back. This is probably about like ten years ago at this point. We played a metal festival somewhere, I think somewhere in Indiana, and we signed on to do a without wave set. And then back then we would also every now and again, uh, play sets of, uh, death material. Um, and so we signed on to do both of those at the same time. And yeah. And something got messed up where we went up and did it. Somehow it turned out that without waves was headlining and then, we would play our death set like right after we finished our set. And so I remember we played our set and then we got up there and played a bunch of death songs. And like, I don't know, it was just like, (laughs) I was, I think I immediately ran off stage. I remember feeling so sick. I wasn't even drinking. Like I remember just feeling so sick and I ran off stage and just ran into the bathroom and just puked my brains out. Like just from exhaustion or, it was just such a like a long day and then we went on we did that death set we it like we started at like 1:30 and so like the yeah. whole bar like uh, like the the people working there were just like you know are you guys almost done like like in between songs and we're like we can stop now it's not a problem <laughs> like, yeah so yeah, you like 10 years ago i thought you were going to say the show uh when one of the bands we played with, he tried to do that like wrestler move and cut his forehead, and just the stage was covered in blood. What? <laughs> so, I remember that. Oh, what was that? I remember Did that. Yeah. 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 Like I, he he bladed himself like a wrestler, and he cut way too long and way too deep, and there was just blood everywhere, everywhere. And what we're at this bladed. I've never heard that term before. So in wrestling, when the guys like bleed, it's mm-hmm. like an old school wrestling thing where they'll, they'll take a razor blade 
and they'll kind of like sneak it like while they're under a turnbuckle and just kind of cut what themselves. The fuck? Okay. Yeah. But this guy, um, he's a real heavy metal dude, you know? And so he decided to do that to himself on stage. And um, he just cut way too far and way too deep and just bled everywhere. The stage was covered in blood. And yeah, I remember Jesus Christ. The bartender came out afterwards with like just an old, just like shooting mop bucket, like <laughs> and, and mopped it up and was like, okay, you guys are good to go. And it's just like, man. and I remember too. So like there was so much blood that at the end of the night, I remember the sound guy made that singer like buy a couple of the XLRs that were on a stage. Cause he's like, I'm not, I'm not cleaning the blood off of these. Like this is ridiculous. That's insane, dude. Why would that even occur to anybody to like cut yourself? It's so weird. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Um, like, cause I've seen, I've seen people do stuff like that before. Um, and, and it can, it, like depending on the type of band that you're in, like it can, it can work as long as you're not like bleeding all over the place. I mean, I would, I would do it, but like this guy really like, he shouldn't have cut himself at all personally, but then he just, he just did it. So it felt like it was on a whim and he was just <laughs> trying to. And yeah. <laughs> Show how badass he is. <laughs> so, uh, you guys have vinyl shirts, CDs, jerseys, tank tops, and hoodies all on your Bandcamp. Uh, that's without waves at Bandcamp.com. Um, is that all where all the merch is, or does Prosthetic have their own thing? Uh, how does that work? Um, I think that's the the go-to hub for anything okay. anything merch related. Okay, mm -hmm. nice. Um, and uh, did you have anything else to show off? I know we have the jersey. Do you have any other items you show off? Zach, you have your compact disc, right? <laughs> I do have my compact. Yes. Fancy. Wow. A nice reflection, reflection on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I imagine y'all are waiting on uh, the vinyl to get in, like production and stuff like that. We just got word from uh, Prosthetic that it has been shipped. Um, nice. But, you know, we were bummed that we didn't have it for our, our release show, but uh, we were expecting it to take a lot longer. Um, based upon some of the correspondence the label had with the uh, um, company that was printing it, but um, yeah, thankfully it's it's finally looking like it's it's here. So if people didn't have to wait too long, which is good. So. Nice. Um, yeah, we, yeah. So uh, let's wrap this up then with your album of the year for last year. Unless there's like something that came out recently that's caught your eye. Hmm. I think this album came out last year. Um, I really like Thundercat. Um, he's one of my favorite artists uh, and has been for the past couple of years. I, I, I think his last album came out in 2020. I remember correctly. Do you I've never know heard of that before? No. So it's, it's a, uh, he's super cool. Um, really wacky personality, but it's, it's like kind of like ambient, R&B experimental jazz, but like with really good hooks. Like, I mean, he's, he's just a very prolific artist um, and a uh, great bass player, great bass player. So 
That's an interesting yeah, he, way to describe it. Ambient R&B and uh, what was it? Something progressive jazz or what did you say it was? Kind of ex- experimental, experimental sort jazz. of jazzy, okay. sort of like, yeah, he's, he's just, he's, it's it's a really wacky listen, but it's also a, a very like deep listen too. So I, I enjoy I stuff like um, he uses dissonance in a very very catchy way. So. Okay, sounds interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's the type of dude with a career like you know he's played with top upper echelon jazz musicians, but he also played with Suicidal Tendencies for years. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> incredibly diverse and incredibly unique like he's just fantastic okay he watched uh, book of boba fett he was actually in that too even what? what he was in that yeah man who who did he, he play the, uh, body modifications oh okay yeah. nice well, uh zach what's your album of the year then for last year oh man oh <sighs> I guess hmm, I guess I'll probably say the newest Pussifer record I've been a big Pussifer fan for a really really long time Um, it took a while for the record Apocalyptical to actually kind of resonate with me but I'm at this stage it have been for like the past just couple weeks or month or two where it's really starting to grow on me you know, Sometimes that's one band I needed to check out. They're like kind of sludgy, right? If I'm remembering correctly. Uh, not so much. Okay. I'm not. Right. If you're thinking of Jucifer, maybe. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. Um, if you're looking for an expansive take on prog metal, you should check out Comedian, the new album from Without Waves, which dropped back on the 18th through Prosthetic Records. Y'all are on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Bandcamp, all streaming platforms, and uh, YouTube. Uh, is there anything else that I'm missing? We are on TikTok. We Ooh. are on TikTok. Okay. We have one. Are we? Um, I mean, we we are, but, you know. You're, you're technically, technically. We're, <laughs> we're in our mid-30s and, you know, <laughs> trying. <laughs> do y'all do like actual challenges and stuff or are you just posting like music videos and stuff uh we're, we're posting video content here and there i think i think it's it's gonna take us a little bit more time to really kind of like um you know yeah, I, don't, I don't know what the demand is for you know men in their mid-30s doing tiktok challenges but I, I don't think it's one that we necessarily have to serve, so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, man. We'll see. Okay. I've always wanted to, like, dive deeper into it. I never had enough time, though, you know? Um, so, yeah, as for me, drop my channel follow so you always know when I go live. You can also uh, sub to get the interviews before they hit YouTube, and uh, you get some exclusive emails as well. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and YouTube. YouTube, folks, if you like the video, please drop a like, click on the notification bell, and don't forget to it's a great way to support me for free. Check out my music, The Sound That Is Creation, at soundthatincreation.bandcamp.com. My new album, Boomers, Zoomers, Desperate Coomers, is out now. Uh, my next guest is Milwaukee-based metalcore band Gracie. Join us this Sunday the 3rd at 7 p.m. Central for the live cast. Thanks for being here, guys. Hope you had a good time. Thank you, thank man. You. really appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, thank you guys for watching and listening.